Welcome to another episode of Sports Gumbo. I'm Drew Laska. He is Eric Pierre, EP. What's good out there in the hood? What's up, my man? Man, what's up, man? Just got back from training with Mario. <clears throat> Try to stay warm in this cool weather. Looking forward to going back to San Diego. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to introduce our guest here, talk about the team I'm one of the owners of. Uh, unfortunately, uh, our team did not play well Saturday in TJ, that hostile gym. But this guy did do his part, but he is going to need a little more help. I'm sorry to fellas, you're listening. That's true. I saw the tape. It was not pretty. However, it's only preseason. <laughs> so let me let me cut right to it. So this is probably, since my show, so I can say whatever I want. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite guys in the team. I love his energy, his personality. He's also very humble. In fact, I'll share this story. Um, his name is Aaron Felix. At the end of the preseason game, I confronted him. I said, why'd you hold back? You could have won the game for us. He said, I'm trying to integrate our new teammates into the system. I said, you know what? My bad. I won't talk to you like that ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Aaron, welcome to the Sports Gumbo, my man. How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good. And thank you guys for inviting me to the the show. So I'm very excited. Well, no, it's our pleasure, man. We've We've had a couple of conversations regarding the San Diego Sharks here on the previous episode, so it's only right that we use this platform to introduce the, the players there and tell their story. And and one thing that I realized straight off the bat in doing my research on you is that you and I have a lot in common, um, ironically. But first of all, just tell the people where you're from. Um, originally, well, I was born in Chicago in 87. Um, Pops is in the military, so we kind of traveled around, you know, but I am from San Diego, California, the southeast, the south, the southeast of San Diego, California. So that's where I grew up at. Well, we we talk about uh, symmetry. I didn't realize as well. I'm a military kid myself. My dad was in the Army 22 t- years. And Eric, his eyes got big as soon as you said Chi-Town as well. That's one of his yeah, cities so, also. Man. That's right. I, I lived there for two years. I lived in Gurney and Jefferson Park. So in Gurney, I lived by the Naval Base. Uh-huh. So a lot of ties there. I still support quite a few uh, inner city things over there. I've given six. I gave six figures last year. So when yeah. people want to be racing me so what about Chicago, I said my money goes there. Where's yours? <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> nah, so all my family, my mom and dad's side, they're all from Chicago. So we just ha- end up out here because of the military, to be honest. So it, it never left, which I don't blame them. So you're currently a player for the San Diego Sharks, but where did you play your college ball? Kind of talk us through that journey of uh, of, of how you got to where you are now. Man, college. So I didn't have no offers coming out of high school. So I had to stick to the grind and go JC. So I am a JUCO product. Um, I went to Grossmont College for two years. Um, did my thing, man. It was I don't I don't want to say it was easy, but it was a challenge for me. But my second year, I really advanced to where I was like, okay, I can really do this thing, you know. And then um transferred to Cal State Dominguez Hills for um, my third year. Um, Really, that situation was like a 50-50 for me. I really enjoyed it, but it was a bigger challenge for me, you know. So I ended up finishing that, and then I did my last year at San Diego Christian College. You know, did one year there, was very successful, um, and then just 
from there, started to grind more and then wanted to be a pro. Well, well, let's pause it there for a second because I'm going to quiz you on your, your history. First of all, mm -hmm. what is the previous name of San Diego Christian College? The previous? You didn't know it was called something else before that, did you? Mm, no. <laughs> Not that well, I this, know of, no. Well, I mean, you're learning this live on air. We haven't had this chat before, but... Um, no, educate me for real. So so I, I'm i from Katy, Texas, along with Eric. Uh -huh. We went to high school together. Eric is two years above me, and um, I actually went to college in San Diego. That's why I talk mm -hmm. about the symmetry. I actually finished at Point Loma University, but... I started off at Christian Heritage College, formerly known and newly known as San Diego Christian College, located in El Cajon, and I transferred over to Point Loma. So, um, so, oh, um, you guys are the okay. same program. Look at that. We, we went okay. to the same. We went to the same college. It was there in El Cajon, um, and right, this is how right. I was sold. This was in two thousand and. Uh, you know, they showed me the school and the people were walking on the sands and the beach. And I was like, I was, I'm there. And then obviously <laughs> to come there to see that I'm in El Cajon, which is a lot further than uh, the, than the beach. Which is, yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but, uh, they didn't show you East County, huh? Nah. <laughs> no, they had, you know, That's but it was, but it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was a blessing in disguise. And my freshman year, we went to the uh, NAI Final Four. And uh, nice. had a wonderful experience there, and then uh, moved along to uh, to Point Loma. But uh, mm -hmm. it, where the, the school is located? Did they move? Because I know they're no longer. No, it's in still there. Is it? No, this yeah, it's off of Greenfield. Oh right, okay. I thought that school had moved, but well, that's no, great. It's so still you there. so so you graduated from San Diego Christian College. You put up some great numbers there. I saw you were averaging twenty points a game, and then yeah. was your dream? What was your dreams and aspirations as a kid? Man, to play overseas, you know, that was my dream. That was my goal. You know, a lot of kids would say, yeah, they wanted to go to the NBA, but I figured the size that I have, the skill set that I have, I know I can, you know, play overseas basketball at a high level, you know, so that's what I was focused on. That's what I had to drive for. And that's what happened. So. It was no NBA, no G League, no NBA. It was just strictly let's see if I can survive overseas, you know, and there you go. Wow, that's pretty amazing, man, because, you know, most kids, even myself, always had dreams of, of making it into the NBA. And then I always tell everyone that you should you should uh, you should always set goals. But just because you set a goal, it doesn't mean you're going to reach it. And there comes a time where you might have to kind of tweak that goal, pivot that goal. And right. for me, and it was about junior year of college where I had to tweak it. And I said, okay, NBA kind of looks far-fetched at this moment. And I just want to be able to play basketball for a living. Correct. And that's where overseas kind of was my tweak. And so just talk mm -hmm. a little bit about your overseas experience of, of how you got to where you got to. Um, just to start off, I, from college, I didn't go overseas. I had to, you know, play a little semi-pro. Um, and then just so happened, I had a guy named Richie Williams. He went to San Diego state. He saw, we were actually just working out together, you know, and he just saw my grind and he, the next day he was like, bro, just wait, you know? And so the next day that happened, I ended up uh, run into a teammate that was from Germany, right? And so 
that teammate end up hitting me up. We end up having a one-on-one workout. And then the next day I was end up and then, well, it took two weeks, but the next day I had a contract basically, you know what I mean? So it was just the grind that I had, the passion that I had and just who, you know, you're right. And this guy, Richard Williams has played overseas, you know, He's still overseas now. I don't know if you guys know that name, but he is very known in San Diego and he is one of a, he's a good guy, you know? So he introduced me to a guy and that's how I started my career. <laughs> that's amazing, man. I mean, it, it, it goes to what we always say here on a sports gumbo and, and things that we talk about is that you never know when you're going to get an opportunity, but you got to be prepared for the moment. And it sounds like right. you have been preparing for that moment your whole life. You got yeah. it and you was able to pounce on it and then ultimately get you a con- contract in Germany. Just talk to us a little bit about what that experience was like. Uh, first time, you know, so. First jitters, time in Europe? First time in Europe. You know, I. so the crazy thing is I've had opportunities to go to China. I've had opportunities to go to Spain. But at the time, I didn't have a passport, you know, so I couldn't go, you know, so that really struck me you know so when i was like all right i gotta get my password i gotta get this gotta get that then when i had the opportunity i took it so when i get there to germany i mean it's love they love me out there even though i wasn't playing a higher league i was playing mid-league but it, it, i was the only american i was the only american that they had on the team and i was their first american too so that love that they had for me was just amazing, man. I wouldn't take that that experience my first year in Germany. I wouldn't take it back. Further south, yes, I was in Bad Eibleek. It was a small city. I was next. I was some thirty minutes from Munich, basically. So you can tell the difference from Munich into the small city of Bad Eibleek. It is. It was crazy. So yeah. Well, well, because this is a podcast where we focus on economics and for our listeners out there, you might not know overseas is a grind. And ultimately, it takes, you know, a couple of years to get to a point financially where there's some stableness. There's a lot of leagues in Germany. There's probably like four or five leagues to, you know, where yeah, you got guys trying to work sure. themselves up to the to the to the High BBL, league. which is the top league there. But. Just for you, that's, you know, as American coming over to Europe for the first time, you know, what, what did you what did you do financially to try to, uh, you know, to to reserve your finances? Or, you know, because we know you don't get paid a lot. But what did what, what was your plan or what did you end up doing? Um, so basically what I was getting paid, I will send it back home. I will keep some here because they were also taking care of me so the food was taken care of transportation was taken care of uh i mean anything you name it was taken care of i had my own apartment um what else uh, you name it i had it i didn't even have to spend no money so basically i had to get a bank in germany set my accounts all up you know and then when i got my money there just transfer it over to my state's account and then from there help my family out with whatever they needed you know if it was it wasn't like you said it wasn't that much but i made it work you know so yeah i want to i want to i want to loop eric in real quick because um what i always say is that let's just use 25 grand as a as an example and you know someone listening might be like well 25 grand isn't a lot but what you have to understand is that as a um as an overseas basketball player as aaron just mentioned 
food, apartment, car, mm-hmm. all that is taken yeah. care of. And that's pretty much uh, a net. So I always say that, like, you know, for someone that's chasing that dream and you might look at the finances and say, oh, well, that's not enough. Why are you chasing that? Well, compare that to working a normal job in the States. And I always say I would rather play basketball than be working at Academy, making the same amount of money. Exactly. I agree with you. So, you know, Aaron, I'm proud of you did that because when I was in college, first of all, I didn't play college basketball, Mm -hmm. but I knew an agent that opportunity for me to go try out somewhere overseas Mm -hmm. and make that kind of money. But I thought you had to be NBA good. But my first year in college, I worked for Deloitte. One of the big mm-hmm. four, my salary was 45 after taxes and wanted to pay for it. what you did was a better deal than my first year. And I wish mm-hmm. I had thought of that. And my dad's an accountant. I should have told my dad what was offered. He would have told me, you need to hold off on that job and get your butt overseas <laughs> and make it work. Because if you do it for three years, that's 75000 over there, your tax is already taken out. All right. And then I can tell you as an accountant, you're t- you get the foreign tax credit. You're not paying any taxes in the United States. What, right. what the tax treaties we have with all the European countries over there. So he basically got to keep 25000 tax-free. Um, you guys are, are worship as media stars. I remember Drew mm-hmm. over there. He's got all these posters and cars and commercials. You guys are like Michael Jordan over there. Right, and right. I missed out on that. I didn't quite understand the opportunity, especially me being 6'8". And then when I went to a game in Amsterdam five years later, I see a guy – I think his name was Sam Clancy. He had been a college star at Boston College, mm-hmm. and he had a big boiler. He could barely run up and down the court. And someone whispers my ear, that Russian team's paying him 350 large. And I was like, man, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy money, bro. Yeah. yeah, Eric, you talk about that hoop dream all the time, but I think it's safe to say you did okay for yourself, man. But Well, uh, I, I, okay. I did because I chose to be an entrepreneur, but – uh, in fact, because so the lesson that I learned from that is never shy away from opportunities. So I did have a boss who told me I should be in business for myself when I was working corporate because he said, you'll never be happy working for other people. You don't fit in any corporation. Now, the guy being a white dude, I thought he was being a racist. So I said a little something to him. Seven years later after that talk, I figured out what he meant. So I went on my own. And I did quite fine. But. When you do get opportunities, you should take a look at it because even if you fail, I'd, I would rather have tried and failed and never tried and wonder what if. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because most people are poor. Listen, most people are poor not because of lack of ability. Myron Golden said at a Bible study of his I went to in Tampa, most people are poor because they don't see the opportunities that, are, that God puts right in front of us. That's mm-hmm. why. That's All the real right. reason for a lot of poverty. My thing was the opportunity I had, I had to take it because I'm a kid from the Southeast. You don't get this opportunity, you know, and where are we from, bro? It's, it's, if you would imagine how we grew up and all this, what I seen just to get out the streets. Yeah, I'm taking this opportunity, bro. (laughs) You feel me? So I want to experience the other side of the world. So why not? You know, people, you don't get these chances. You don't get these opportunities. So you got to take it, you know? So, yeah. Well, well, let me ask you this. Since you got an, opportun- uh, uh, an opportunity to see both sides, you know, a, a kid that's grown up in an inner, inner city, but then you've got to experience another part of the world. I'm, I'm, I'm sure to say that your mind has been, been opened. Um, 
what, what's, 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 what's been the biggest thing that you've learned uh, by being able to get out of the States and see a different part of the world? Um, just patience with people because on the other side of the world, they don't speak English, you know? So you have to learn how to adapt to their culture, you know? You have to learn their style, especially in Germany, because they have a whole different style. And if you want to basically fit in, you got to do certain type of things you have to do or else you're going to be sticking out like a sore thumb. You know, so one thing was learning how to adapt to their culture was the biggest, you know, thing I had to learn because. You don't see that over here when you get over I mean, when you get to Germany, then it's a, it's like it was a 360 to me, you know, so I was very blessed to have that and to change. And now I can I see different, you know, I, I can see different. So it was cool. That That's awesome, man, because I say this all the time uh, that especially to younger players that come over. And I remember my first year I had someone come over to visit me and they complain about everything. And I had to say, hold on a minute. You understand that the UK has been a around much longer than the US and the rest <laughs> of the world. They don't follow the American blueprint. Everyone's been right. here longer. So they right. do their own thing. And the biggest, the biggest trait that you have to have as an, a, a human, as you mentioned there, is adaptability. You have to be able to mm -hmm. adapt to other cultures because they're not going to adapt mm -hmm. to you. You go into their place. It, <laughs> you know oh God, I mean? for real. And, and <laughs> You will get sick quick if you don't adapt and you won't. You will get homesick for real. If you can't adapt quickly, hey, you better go home then. Yeah. Well, let's talk about another country that I found interesting that you got an opportunity to visit. And that's Kazakhstan. And I would guarantee that probably <laughs> less than 20 percent of Americans have even heard of that country before. Man. But I, but I have. I spent some time there back in 2005. I want to get your nice. take on that because it's completely different from Germany. Right. Um, uh, how can I put it? I was in Almaty. I don't it's. It's probably capital, two way. to three. Yes, it's it's probably two to three hours flying wise to Astana, which is one of the nicest cities in Kazakhstan, right? So, but where I was living at was probably the they would call it the popular city where the people be. But um, that was I was not a it's not a bad thing, but I was dealing with. Asians and Russians, you know, so that then all they spoke Russian. So all the Asians spoke Russian and the Rus the Russians spoke their language. You feel what I'm saying? So that was a totally different change for me, too, because their language is off the wall. So I was literally trying to Google translate every word <laughs> and also learn a little bit of their lingo, too. So if I had to order food, you know, I would have to use their lingo sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a, a for context there, Kazakhstan is very close to China. So and it's close to Russia as well. So that's why you kind of yeah. get that, that intermingle. But, yeah, I mean, you have an advantage towards me because I was there to 2005 and our phones at the time didn't have 
Google and all this stuff that you were accustomed to uh-huh. when you got right. to go there. So uh, a totally different lifestyle for myself. But as we begin to wrap this thing up now, you're uh, you're you're with the San Diego Sharks and just talk to us, to us a little bit about you guys season. It's just getting started. What's your personal ambitions? What's the team's expectations? And what do you see for yourself in the next couple of years? Um, so with the team, you know, just with the guys that we have now, just trying to get better each day, learning the system, uh trying to get our team chemistry down, you know, so we can have a good flow on the court. Um, we, everybody's always trying to fight for a playoff spot, you know, for the TBL. Um, and then just if we can advance to the playoffs, you know, why not fight for a championship? So that is a, the main goal for the San Diego Sharks is looking for the championship. But first we got to break it down. Let's get to the playoffs, but first let's finish out our regular season strong and then let's make a push so um my goals for this year is to help the team win as much as i can you know be a leader for this group of guys that we have um even show them things off the court that they can learn from me um and just finishing out the season strong and healthy you know Come on, come on, Tins. You don't have to be that humble. I, <laughs> man, this guy scored 18 points on a bad foot. Wow. Uh, in that first preseason game. Yeah. Literally, that second to first play, I did hurt my heel, and I ended up playing on it. But it's, you know, I fight through pain. It's it's nothing. I still love the game. Um, So, looking forward. We do have another exhibition game coming up next week. Um. Yeah, go ahead and plug that. Plug and that. Where can people find you guys? Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Where's that game? Actually, that's. I don't want to get the information mixed up. Mixed up. So I'm not gonna keep it out of pause because I really don't know all the information. So I don't want to, you know, put okay. it out there like that. But we do play next week, and it is in San Diego. So, okay. Okay. um, if you do go to the San Diego Sharks website, I'm pretty sure they should have it up there. They should. Well, this so. is news to me. I was sure you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, looks like I'm gonna have to call Brandon and Tyler to ask about that. But hey, Tim, so I, I'm gonna ask you this question. So, and you can be honest with me. I'm not gonna punish you. You know, nah. What? I'm trying to be careful what to say because I don't want to repeat what I know you said in the weight room. That needs to stay amongst us. What is what's it like for you now at this point in your career? You're 36 years old. You've been places these guys have n- never been. Most of mm-hmm. them, Julio has played overseas, mm-hmm. but I, unless I'm mistaken, I don't think anybody else on the current roster has played overseas. Right. What do you think that they're not understanding right now that you hope they understand before season end? Because I know you said some of this stuff in the weight room. I'd rather have let you say it than me repeat it. Uh, the, the season's going to go by fast, you know, so you have to crack down quick in order for you to, you know, lock on into what you're trying to do with your career. So mm. TBO happens fast, so you have to be ready. Every every day you got to be ready and you got to be locked in, even when we're not, especially at practice, you know, so that is the most important part of being a pro, you know, because – you know, when it comes to game time, it doesn't really 
reciprocate as the same, you know. So do your things in practice. Guess what? It's going to be when it comes to game time, you'll be ready. So I just feel like the guys that we have on this roster are just still trying to learn, you know, trying to learn the pro life. They're trying to learn the pro life. Like they're not used to playing 48 minutes. (laughs) They're not used to media timeouts. You know, they're not used to having loud fans. I don't know their college background career, but when you play in the pros, it's a little different. It's more physical. It's quicker. Yeah. Uh, three seconds and defense, you know, so you can't sit in the paint like you can't do overseas or in college, you know, so yeah. it's a little yeah. different, but this is how you adapt. You know, this is how you have to learn the rules of the game in the TBL. So and I guess my next question is, can you share with our audience? Eventually we'll have Brandon on the podcast, but can you describe to everybody what kind of coach he is and how he is with the players? Good question. Yeah. Coach Cheeks, is he's he's calm. You know, he doesn't get too rattled because he wants to bring that calmness to you, right? So when you do get on the court, you're not out of control, right? Because he's not a coach that's going to yell at you, do this, do that, do this. He's going to tell you what to do. This is how you need to do it. Please do it this way. You know, he's very – he's get to the point, this is how we're going to do it. That's it. My way. This is how we're going to do it. So he doesn't really raise his voice. He doesn't really have to. You know, if you have a, the right group of guys, he don't – He all he has to do, A, B, C, let's do it. So Coach Coach Cheek is a very, I can say, very mellow, you know. Yes. He, I, he yeah. has not gotten a tech since I've – been around him <laughs> since he's well, been coaching. You know, I, you know I, have a story, I have a story about that. Our first game when he – his first season with the Guardians, uh-huh. uh, we played against you guys. So I've, uh-huh. I've never played against you in court, but I've seen you. Uh-huh. And he almost did get attacked. The referee got in his face, and I had to stand in his way or he would have gotten that attack. He was ready to fight that For ref. Real. That was the one time I've seen Brandon almost lose it. That was me that stood in front of him. <laughs> I really just, it, it was about to go down, Tins. That's the one Man. time he almost lost his cool. For but right. I think that's an accurate description. And, and I guess my other question for you is going to be, you mentioned the goals of the Sharks I grew with you, and I hope we can win a championship. I'd love to be able to hand you a championship ring as Man, a, one of the nice. owners. That would be my joy. Let me not let me not cut you off, but I was in the final four in the TBL, you know, two years, two, three years ago. So I did have that close of a chance of winning the ring. With so. the Guardians, yeah. You got some of those yeah. NBA guys with McGuire. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember. Yeah, I remember. So. Um and in fact, before my last question, I do want to share with y'all. Uh, this guy's leadership is so good. So our first the first years of Sharks, I was a sponsor. And I happened mm-hmm. to go to a game at this old little crappy gym in East County, the Salvation mm-hmm. Army Center. They're up against a team called the San Diego Moguls, who no longer exists. They had a very wealthy owner. They had mm-hmm. a stacked roster. Mm-hmm. Tins and a guy named Mandrell Worthy were clearly the two best players. The rest Man. of the guys, I hate to say this because some of them may still be playing. I don't remember who's on the roster right now. At the time, they were a bunch of bums. Now, Dion's a better player today, but he's not the guy he was. <laughs> yeah, wanted. for sure. He kept making shot after shot with Mandrell, a team that had beaten him on average 40 points. They won at the buzzer. Mandrell stole the ball. We celebrated yeah. the court. 
that's my favorite game of uh, tens. He can carry a team. So, tens, what do you think you're going to have to do with so many young guys this year? If you're not called overseas, what are you going to do to get us to the playoffs? Because I know that if you get us to the playoffs, I know that the ball better be in your hand in crunch time. Yeah, You can't hold back in the playoffs. I'm going to yell at you and beat you up the weight room afterwards. <laughs> nah, I hear you. I hear you. But, uh, man, be a leader, you know? Just telling where guys where to be at, you know, talk to them a certain type of way, not yell at guys because some people, you know, can take criticism, but some can't, you know. But so you have to learn these guys, especially if they're young. So I'm here still learning. But as it all, when it comes down to be and when it comes down to that crunch time, just being a leader. Yeah. Showing them how to do it and then showing them how to, the way to win, you know. So at the end of the day, it's how to win, who wants it more, you know, and then take it from there. So just being a leader and showing my leadership. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I love your tone. I love your energy. I love your professionalism. And uh, go Sharks. You can catch their schedule on SharksBasketball.com. Yeah. Aaron, where can people find you on social media if they want to follow your journey, your story? Okay, so uh, Instagram is going to be Flex Felix six one nine. Like I said, Flex Felix six one nine. I do have Facebook. It's Aaron Felix, uh, the comma and the Tinsley, but it's kind of hard to find. But you can really find me on IG. That's where I really be on. There we go. There we go. And so, like we say, keep track of these guys this season. We'll be checking in back with you later. Uh, as the season go on, good luck to you. Stay healthy and go Sharks, baby. Go Sharks. And uh, Tins, I hope our bigs finally set some good picks for you because it's not been happening. <laughs> I mean, uh, when we played on Saturday, I was getting some good screens, you know, finding my way in the hole. So our bigs, just, they have to get adapt to how I play. Yeah, because I think the one big has got a lot of potential if he proves his condition. I think Ronnie right. with his broad right. shoulders has – his I could definitely use him. If he can improve mm-hmm. his condition, I think he could really be the most improved player in our camp, in our roster this year if he commits to coming to the weight room. I right. Really do. So, I mean, that's the – they're young, so they got to learn. And yeah. that's why that's why we have Aaron Felix there to pass down his knowledge to the young guys because at the professional le- level, there is a, a learning process. And when you're young, right. you think you could just show up and get away with things, and you learn very quickly. That, <laughs> no. um, that's why it's called professionalism. But, yeah, man, right. we appreciate your time again. Make sure you guys catch us every week, same time here on the Sports Gumbo. Peace out, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>